Are you sick and tired of ads? Well, this is an ad telling you that you don't need to listen to ads. Stitcher Premium has some of your favorite shows ad-free, like The Joe Rogan Experience, My Favorite Murder, Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend, and the Marvel original, Wolverine the Long Night. It also includes early access to Stitcher Originals, bonus episodes, comedy albums, and more. Go to stitcherpremium.com and upgrade your account for only $4.99 a month or $34.99 a year. Plus, sign up and use our offer code, CAPED, at checkout and get your first month for free. That's CAPED, C-A-P-E-D, for your first month free. Stitcher Premium. It's like Stitcher, but premium. This episode is full of spoilers and contains some not-so-super language. citizens welcome to the fortress of potitude i'm dave michaels i'm brian betts and we are the cape podcasters this is the show that has a drunk history of podcasting that's true we we've done that we get drunk often listen to the end of the episodes you'll hear the slippery slope that we go down i like to think of it as like a, a playground slide that you start up at the top and everything's happy and good and by the time you hit the bottom you realize what kind of slide are we talking about first of all is it one of the metal slides or like one of the plastic slides Probably metal slide. So like what we grew up on. Yeah. Yeah. Metal slide. It's way faster to get to the bottom. It is. And you don't have time to make plans for what happens when you land. But the same time at the top of that slide, if it's like the summertime. Oh, it's a thousand degrees. Oh my God. You're completely screwed. Yeah. So that's the podcast in a nutshell. Nailed it. (laughs) See you next week. (laughs) Today we are talking about the 2005 movie, A History of Violence, directed by the David Cronenberg. The David Cronenberg of The Fly. Of Dead Ringers. Of the fly. Of the fly. So naturally, he's going to make a history of violence, which also, is nothing like that at all. Existence, yeah. which is spelled like a drugstore boner pill. I like it. Or a gas station boner pill. I like it even more. Those are the best types of boner pills. Hey, where are you existence. going? I'm driving to Iowa. Give me one of those boner pills. What? Is it, it's probably existence. No, it, it probably is. It but. is definitely spelled like it's going to get you hard for two hours. If it's four, call your doctor. Well, I call that die hard. That's that's my boner pill. Agreed. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever seen a history of violence before? No, never. Have you? Yes. Really? Yeah. Did you not know that until you rewatched so, it? So <laughs> it was a funny moment that I had with this movie. I always confuse this movie and Eastern Promises. Okay. And I was like, all right. Is Nick Cage in one of those? I don't know. Well, he, I, I barely remember Eastern Promises. I know Eastern he's not in Eastern Promises this. has a weird shower naked fight scene. Oh, okay. I'm not even sure it's Viggo Mortensen. Sure. But the, I don't know why they like connect in my brain for some reason. And with this movie, the thing that was going through my head was, I feel like there's fucking on stairs for some reason. I just feel like mm. someone's going to get point, dirty maybe. on stairs. And I was like, I don't know. And then when I saw the stairs in the movie, I was like, oh, man, getting warmer. Those <laughs> stairs seem familiar. I guess we'll wait and see. Yeah, I saw this in theaters. And I, I don't remember a second of it. Besides the theaters? The stairs, yeah. Well, it's a very memorable stair scene. It is. I always confuse this with a Nick Cage movie, and I can't remember which one. It probably went directed DVD, probably. I don't know. Was it The Maybe. Weatherman? It can't be The Weatherman. Yeah, this has so many similarities with The uh, Lord of War. Oh, okay. That's Sa- came out the same time. Similar uh, titles. Never saw either. You want a Weatherman story? This is weird. Oh, weird, sure. Weird little side story. We all used to download movies back in the day. Yeah. What? I have no <laughs> idea what you might be talking about. 
I had a buddy in college who was the only person I ever have known who got busted for downloading movies. Oh, wow. From the studio. How many was he doing? I don't know, but it was the weatherman that got him caught. I was like, oh, of all the ones man, to go out on. Pick your battles a little better. That's not the one. Nick Cage walking down the street with a bow and arrow? Nope. That's not the one you want. <laughs> uh, that's why you don't download things illegally off of Lemon Cable. That's right. You got to stay off of Shazam. Shazza? I, I got nothing for that one. I tried. Uh, I took the easy one. So. Yeah. Good for you. <laughs> good for you. I was taking a Napster. I wasn't even uh, there it to is. what you said. There it is. This thing is actually based on a comic book. Yeah, it's, it fits the list. It, that's... I was questionable, but no, it is. 100% a comic book. Oh, I've, I've gotten questions all week long after I was like, yeah, we're doing History of Violence this week. They're like, um, what? Trust me. It's a comic book. History of Violence is a graphic novel written by John Wagner and illustrated by Vince Locke. John Wagner, who I don't know if they're, if he's responsible for Judge Dredd, but I know he spent a lot of time doing Judge Dredd. Judge Dredd. There uh, you go. He also did some Batman and some Doctor Who. Heard of them too. So. Uh, but it ran on Paradox Press and then later on Vertigo Comics. Both are imprints of DC. So this is technically a DC movie. Technically. So when Superman shows up, you shouldn't be that surprised. No, you shouldn't. This would have been Brandon Routh time too. And he could have used another one. Yeah, that's He's true. Great. Do you want to figure out what this thing's about? What this comic book is about? Yeah, let's <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about this comic book movie that's totally on brand. Yep. We start off, as we should, with a four and a half minute single take. Outside of a seedy motel in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, it's a really, really good shot of not a lot happening. Yeah, it's an awesome way to open this. But it makes you ask so many questions. I found myself asking questions this entire movie. Yeah. So we'll talk about that. Leland Jones, played by Stephen McHattie, and Billy Orser, played by Greg Brick, whoever that is, have stayed the night and are checking out of this motel. I thought this was a young Viggo Mortensen. Oh, really? Coming out. It looks like him. It really does look a lot like the actor, Greg Brick, that guy. I guess and it was I can kind, kind of shot of with it, a yeah. little bit of like a, a slightly period look of maybe this is like the 70s or something like right, that. Right, right. It really messed with my head a little bit. They really, it's unclear what's happening the entire time. You're right. like, who is in on what? What is happening? Who knows what? Because basically, Billy pulls the car up to the entrance of the motel. Right, and Eugene Levy came out, and he's talking about Canadian things. <laughs> oh, Moira. Moira. <laughs> but Leland goes around the back to return the room key. And when he comes out, Billy's like, hey, what took you so long? I said, I had a problem with the maid. Now, at this Wonder point- Wonder what that can mean. This movie's called History of Violence. Exactly. Let's all take guesses what you think that at means. At this point, I'm like, all right, this dude actually totally just killed the maid. Yeah. For whatever reason. I don't know at this point, does Billy know what is happening here? I completely think he knows because of how calm Billy is when he walks into the office. Well, yeah. Well, that's that's where I was like, yeah. okay, he's on board. Because before sure. that, I was like, I don't think Billy knows what's happening here. I think Billy thinks he just checked out. And Billy is parched, is what he is. He is? Parched Billy. But their jug of water is empty. So Leland's like, go inside, fill it up. So Billy nonchalantly walks through the horrendous murder scene, the front desk clerk, <laughs> and a maid shot dead yeah, to they're refill not, his they're water They're not jug. doing good. No. They've seen better days. Yes. The days that they had seen. The, in the past. There, are, there is no future for them. When a little girl emerges from the back office of the motel. So he shoots her. Yeah, he calms her down and then- uh, like, shh, 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 And bang. Bang. Pow. Tone set. Yep. There you go. <laughs> We're five minutes in this movie. We just killed a child. And if you're wondering if this is a movie for you, now you probably know. You have to assume that if you're into that type of thing, this yeah. is for you. Exactly. If you're not, 
<laughs> oh boy. You, you have time to watch something else. You definitely know that these guys have a history of violence. They sure do. Wink. But I like after he shoots the kid, which is a weird thing to say, the transition I love. is a young girl in bed screaming from a nightmare. Yes. We should say, uh, let me just say this. I don't know if, if you're on board with this, Dave, but I think this is one of the few movies that I think we need to reiterate there are spoilers coming because I think part of the fun of this movie was not knowing ever what was coming next. I think it's fair. So I think definitely watch this one. You should assume there's always spoilers yeah. in a podcast about a movie. We say that at the beginning of every episode but, too, but I know it's every episode, so maybe it just seems like something we slap on. No, spoilers. Right. And this one, I think it matters. That's fair. There you go. Here's your chance to pause. So yeah, anyway, kid murder, the tone of this movie is set, it's dark. Meet Tom Stahl, played by Viggo Mortensen, the owner of a small town diner in Millbrook, Indiana. He's married to Edie, played by Maria Bello, an attorney, and they have two children, 16-year-old Jack and 10-year-old Sarah. And everything's swell. You just made that sound more like a South Park thing than I, <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> this is Tom Stahl. Oh, no, they're a happy family. And you can tell because they all comfort the, the little girl when she has a nightmare. The whole family comes whole and family? then they go and eat breakfast together. Very wholesome. So wholesome. There you go. That's We've completely done a 180 on tone already. We did it. We managed to pull it back. Jack's got bully problems because he dared to catch a fly ball in the outfield at gym class. Hold on a sec. I can't let you brush over that. That scene is ridiculous. So you have... The, the kid Jack is talking to his pops about it. He's like, I got to play right field. I got to shag those fly balls or whatever. He's like, I'm not very good at this. Got to shag them. Whatever it is. I don't know. But then we cut to this gym class and you see this bully. He's got the long hair and all that stuff. And he's just the, the shit. He's oh, the yeah. shit. He's the shit. He's the best. And he comes up and he's like pointing to the, the fence, doing everything, even though there's no fence at this field. He's a cool kid. He's just doing knocking cool the bat do. against the, the fence as he comes up, and it's a wood bat, which is weird for a softball game, <laughs> because he, then when he actually hits the ball, it's a metal bat, which is another well, sometimes, weird thing. Sometimes bats change. It's a superhero movie, remember? Fool or us, a comic book fool movie. Fool us, Penn and Teller. This- <laughs> They're not going to figure it out either. <laughs> but he hits his fly ball, and he, he pretty much... Jose Bautista bat flips, takes the helmet off, and he's <laughs> celebrating. He's throwing a fucking tea party going yeah. down to first base. And this is a routine fly ball that this Jack kid catches. And then the bully's upset that he caught it. What a dick. He caught the ball. <laughs> it was a routine fly ball. <laughs> That's the best part. I'm like, why is he so mad? Only New York Yankees fans are going to appreciate this. And I'm a Mets fan. Fuck all Yankees fans. Fuck but Yankees if you ever fans. listen to John Sterling do a Yankees game, oh my God, him on the radio. Well, that's a long fly ball out to right field. The right field is going back, back, back. He's at the wall, and the second baseman's going to catch at the back of the infield. It was like one of those <laughs> yeah. things. I'm like, what the hell? What All are right, you doing? So was, yeah. Sorry, this annoyed me. No, I totally get it. There's no reason for this kid to be as angry as he is, unless he just really assumed that Jack is shit at baseball. But even then, he trotted it out. I don't want to. No, We're not know, here for it's, that. It's any- a comic book movie, DC Dark. We got it. Anyway, Bobby wants to fight Jack now. Because he caught the ball. So they, you know, they talk in the locker room. They have a little, they don't have a tussle. Jack shoots him down with words. Right. Because the, the, the penis mightier. He's a funny boy. So he made everybody laugh. Got him. And then Bobby's like, oh, emasculated. <laughs> <laughs> so you can tell Tom and Edie have a really good relationship because she dresses up as a cheerleader Holy and they shit. have an insanely long sex scene. Okay. It's like five minutes, but it feels like forever. So this wife yeah. is on a Catwoman level of horny. Oh, 100%. It is crazy. She's like, Tom, shut down the diner. We're doing it tonight. That's what she said. She says, we never were high school sweethearts, so we're going to be that tonight. It's like, 
This wife planned this. Where did she get that cheerleader outfit from? Right. And then you have the most realistic eating out scene I've ever seen in my life. Oh my God. Okay. So my buddy Matt told me before I was telling him I was seeing this movie for the first time. He was like, oh, all I know about that movie. He's like, I saw it a long time ago. The only thing I remember is Viggo Mortensen goes on his down on his wife like four times. Yeah. He only does it once in the but, whole movie. But so for the rest of the movie, like, I was like, "Once again, I know there's more. <laughs> I know it's coming. It never happens." So I was like, "Matt, you lied to me, and you were upset. Not upset, just disappointed. That's fair. <laughs> like, like a nice dad, you know. <laughs> uh, he goes down. I'm he, not mad. He goes down hard too. Just disappointed. He, yeah, and it, it, it was a you say realistic it. scene. Wild. There you go. And you know, then she pivots and. They start doing the the number below seventy, and it fades to black. That's it. <laughs> That's the one. <laughs> the number, what everybody calls it, the number below seventy. That's what I grew up with it as. Everybody's in my house, sixty eight plus one, right? <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Jack and his girlfriend are smoking a joint outside the post office, as you do. Sure. When Bobby drives by, and he's still mad about that baseball thing. He's like, "Oh, he Got caught him. that pop, son of a fly. bitch!" It wasn't even a pop; it was regular fucking fly ball. That he caught. Routine. Can of court. Routine. Yeah, exactly. His buddy's like, you should beat him up. He's like, yeah, it's a good idea. I should beat him up. <laughs> so he goes to turn his truck around in the middle of the fucking street. Yep. And he almost hits who else? Leland and Bobby, the crazy psycho killers from the first scene. Right, from the, the motel. And that's why when I was watching this again, I was like, that's young Vigo. Okay, we saw where he came from and now we're cutting to his family. And now it's all wholesome and stuff. And now we know he has a past. This is where it was in my head. Oh, I and see that. And that's why yeah. when- when these bullies turn into the murderers, which is just a bad grouping, really, when you think about it, yeah, that's, that's an intersection you don't want to be a part of. You really don't want to be that. When you see him, it's kind of like a reveal. And I was like, oh, that's not him. This is present day. This is actually a little more interesting for the Vigo character now this because I completely misread yeah. this. Exactly. It was a twist. It was a lovely twist. It wasn't that so much a twist there, for but, me. But, yep, that's okay. But, you know, everybody watches movies differently. You're not wrong. <laughs> Some people aren't face blind. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I've, I've been known to be face blind. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, if they had thrown Susan Sarandon or Sigourney Weaver in this, forget it. I'm out. Yeah. I can't exactly. do it. Exactly. Sigourney Sarandon. <laughs> Don't do it. Don't do that. Just imagine them both as one actress and you'll be set for I life. already do. Yeah. Leland and Billy. Well, really Billy. Billy's like, I don't like it here. I'm tired of these podunk towns with these podunks. Which Got him. Never heard anybody referred to as a podunk. <laughs> Yeah, but we don't have any money. We're about to change that. Of course. So they head to Tom's Diner, which is mysteriously open again, and he's no longer having sex with his wife. So how about that? (laughs) He ate out, and he's like, man, my customers needed to eat out, too. Yeah, there it is. not my wife. Right. I have an establishment for this. He locked up the doors, and then he went back to unlock them and turn the lights on so he could tell the next people who walked in that they're closed. Correct. As you do. But- Right? That's business. They want Coffee! They sure do. And also to rob the place. And pie. And they, they do want pie, too. They want that lemon meringue. Sure do. Sensing danger, Tom sends his waitress home. He's like, hey, get out of here. But Bailey stops her at <laughs> the door. Do? Is that like chivalrous? I guess. Like, women and children first. Go out the <laughs> diner door. He had customers, but he's like, hey, you, get out of here. His fry cook's like, oh, fuck me, right? <laughs> the fry cook's a lot like a SpongeBob. SpongeBob's not going to abandon ship. That's true. He's going to defend the Krabby Patty. He married the girl that was stabbing him in his sleep. So yep. <laughs> that was a thing that happened earlier in the movie. Not important. Both of the men draw guns, and in an instant, Tom swings the coffee pot at Leland's face, takes his gun, and executes both men. Also, he gets stabbed in the foot. 
Yeah, you're you're making it sound like it's not extremely violent. It's oh, incredibly violent. <laughs> Where you see you see the coffee pot in your face, and it it goes poorly yeah. for this man. Oh, very much so. It's like a scrubs. Don't call him splotchy. It's not Doctor Splotchy. <laughs> yeah, he's like that. He's and laying on he, the floor and he stabs Tom it, in the foot. But then Tom aims the gun right at his dome and just bang. Bang. And then his dome goes all kablooey. Yeah. But then he's on the ground, like, tongue flapping Britney Spears South Park style. (laughs) (laughs) He's about to die. Two weeks in a row with that I can't believe it, right? (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, you can see, like, the skin flapping where he hit him with the the coffee pot. Oh, yeah. Severe burns and the blood and the dead. History of of violence. Can't believe it as violence. So anyway, the two guys who were set up pretty early in the movie to be pretty bad and maybe the villains of the movie. They're dead now. Right. Act one. Fiend. <laughs> yeah. Not movie fiend. Act one. Also, Tom has to live now for the rest of the movie because he got stabbed. Got stabbed. Foot. At the hospital, he's all over the news as a hero. His wife shows up with the newspaper, which everybody knows is printed in the middle of the night in Millbrook, Indiana. And they're allowing him as a hero, too. They're like, hey, this guy's a hero. Felt like a like a high school hero type thing of like, you've made the local news. It was like, good on you, Tom. Hey, Tom, I heard about your big touchdown. <laughs> I can't believe you won a state. It's like Al Bundy scored four touchdowns. They printed a special news, a midnight newspaper for it. But now the modern version of that is the Tom Stahl of executed two people in a diner. <laughs> Shut up, Peggy. <laughs> so he heads home and they're met by a reporter because, you know, reporters in movies, they have no boundaries or in real life. Tom's all like, I ain't no hero. Let me be with my family. It's been a long ass day. And she seems like surprised. But much more subdued. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's like. like genuinely a nice guy. Like, still, no, I'm not a hero. I just did what anybody would do. And she's like, no, but like you did a lot. And he's like, no, it was, it was nothing. She was like, no, you like really killed those guys. <laughs> he's like, can I just, can I just be with my family? It's been, it's been a hell of a day. Oh, and how then, dare you? And she's like, well, I guess that's all we're going to get. Like he's the asshole. <laughs> Lady, maybe don't push this guy's button. He has killed recently. Yeah, like two people in the last couple hours. Jack thinks his dad is a hero. So he's like, oh, dad, woohoo. Edie's looking out the window. She's like, oh, man, more reporters. Because there's this black Chrysler 300, which all reporters drive. It's true. She's like, I'm going to go make tea. That's what they're known for. <laughs> so so Tom looks, and then the, the Chrysler 300 drives away. Hmm. Real sketchy. The next day, business at the diner is booming. Everybody's oh, yeah. like, I want to go eat where those people died last night. <laughs> I want to go to the murder diner. <laughs> uh, when a few men in suits enter and sit at the bar, Ed Harris keeps calling Tom uh, Joey. Sorry, sorry. Ed fucking Harris. Thank you. Keeps calling Tom Joey and referencing Philadelphia. Yeah, My name's Tom. I've never been to Philly. Where, right. Where is that? Pennsylvania? <laughs> Come on. Maybe play a little less dumb. <laughs> Pennsylvania? <laughs> Philadelphia. That's in Pennsylvania, right? Oh, come on. You live in Indiana. It's like, hey, I believed you for a hot second. No, I st- I'm still all Team Tom here. Oh, yeah. Tom asks them to leave, and Edie calls Sheriff Sam to look into these men as they leave the diner, because they're, they're pretty aggressive, very intimidating folks. Ed, Ed Harris only has one working eyeball. He looks a lot like Nick Fury if you took off the patch. Yeah, he doesn't look also good. also white. Oh, I can't say that. It's Ed Harris. He always looks Ed great, Harris looks phenomenal. Still. And what an actor. He's the best. He's so good. He's phenomenal. This whole movie is loaded with good actors. It's true. It's an unreal cast. Sheriff Sam, he pulls the men over. And he basically tells them to get out of town. We take care of our own here. Small town. I don't know who the hell you guys are, but I don't like you. Get out. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We were just looking at property. (laughs) 
We're here on business. I guess what we're kind of business? Here. Murder diner business. It's Just, a lot of reporters. Why don't you ask them? Back at the Stalls house, Sam tells them about Carl Fogarty. Fogarty? They called him Fogarty. It's not Fogarty. Not like Dan. Correct. And his goons. They're big time criminals. And they suspect Tom is somebody he's not. Sam asks Tom if he's in some kind of witness protection program. He's not. He just reminds these guys of this Johnny guy they keep talking about. Joey. It's Joey. It's Joey. Tom is so aloof. He's like the most aw shucks, kind, I don't know what's going on around me at all kind of guy. Yeah. But he also just killed two people. You're not wrong. Violently. Yeah. So there's so many questions that are being raised here because now you don't know if he does... I guess, have this history in right. Philadelphia. You're like, oh, does he? I because he's playing it off very well of like, he is the aw shucks. Yeah. But then you have the Ed Harris who's pushing hard. And so certain of himself. But Tom isn't bending at all in any way either. So it's like, all right, this is a really interesting thing that's happening here. And you're like, is he? I don't know. It's phenomenal. I think the best thing about this movie, and it's not even hitting full force yet, is the way that Cronenberg shot this thing. Cronenberg has been using the same director photography for almost his entire career. Peter Sischitsky. Okay. It's the same guy, I think, from like the 70s onward, he's been using this guy. They really take their time in every single one of these scenes. This screenplay is nothing to write home about. Mm. It is very plain. It's very simple. The dialogue is just to the point. It feels very realistic where there's nothing added. I have things to say about that. Okay. Not now. That's fine. It feels like there's nothing added where it's just like, yeah, they're saying what they have to say and then we're moving on. Right. Doesn't sound like an interesting movie at all that way. (laughs) When you put it It that way. It doesn't. But there's so many little tricks that they use of distorting the way the camera's set up to push certain characters to certain edges of the screen in like the most subtle way that it really messes with the way that you think when you watch this thing. And there's a scene coming up. Later in the movie, where I'll point it out a little further and I'll explain it in a little more detail, but yeah. this is happening throughout the entire movie. This film is ridiculously thought out the way it's shot. It is, I would almost say, manipulative, but in the best way, the most intentional way. See, that's a, a tricky spot because when you're talking about cinema, and I'm going to sound like Ryan from Experience, right? Pretentious level <laughs> oh, you're right now. Getting pretentious. When you're talking about cinema, a cinematographer isn't just to point a camera at something and make it look right, good. Right. There's a reason why you do certain shots. Of course. It's a lot like in more pretentious. Citizen Kane, Here we when go. you have like an Orson Welles and Joseph Cotton there and you have the camera set on the ground and you're looking upwards, it's to create this illusion of like two towers of right. men here. Larger than all life. That. Exactly. Yeah. And in this- Anti view. All that. The camera doesn't really do any funny stuff, but it's doing very small tricks- Subtle. In order to- Manipulate you in the best exactly. way. That's filmmaking for exactly. you, in a nutshell. Right. We'll get there. Oh, yeah. Oh, I didn't mean it in a bad way. No, it's not a it's bad way. Phenomenal. It's just, we never get to talk about proper filmmaking here. <laughs> it's true. It's a lot of like... <laughs> we usually get to say, an Iron Man shot a laser out of his chest and it was awesome. <laughs> Man, they made the cape look so real like it was actually flapping. I couldn't believe it either. <laughs> they, they dropped down a 98-story building. I we're never going to find out what happens there. Oh, BBS, we found out what happens there. <laughs> Honestly, couldn't tell if it was a blue or green screen. Could not tell. The next morning, Tom walks to the diner extra early by the way his truck has been broken the whole movie so he's he's getting dropped off by his wife at work or he's walking he doesn't have good proper transportation right he sees Fogarty's car outside the window it's that that black chrysler 300 just sitting outside the diner and he's like didn't sam tell you to get out but the car takes off 
And now Tom is like, oh no. And he starts limp running home. And he calls Edie, who's still in bed. And he's like, get the shotgun. Because they're coming for you. <laughs> and she's like, oh shit, she's got to get the shotgun. And she's fumbling with the shells. And of course. It is so tense. And I think I, we usually don't talk about music before we get to the super stuff. But the music is ramping up so hard here. Howard fucking Shore. And it's Howard fucking Shore. Which is a name we never get to say on this. No. No, it's a weird one Because he us. doesn't do superhero movies. No, he's got a very <laughs> unique style where it's more whimsical than anything. Yeah. It's not like Danny Elfman nightmare whimsical. No, 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 no. It's, it's proper whimsical. Because Howard Shore also did like Lord of the Rings and stuff like that. Where yeah. It's That's the big one. More like fantastic. Right. More than anything. And with this, the Ed score Wood. does a weird thing with this movie where it almost doesn't fit, but it like appropriately doesn't fit. Exactly. It's, it's, it's very the neat. right kind of wrong. I love it. And there were decisions yeah. made that we'll talk about when we get to super stuff later. Can't wait. But but yeah, like he's done crazy movies like The Aviator and The Departed and Mrs. Doubtfire because those three movies go together. I would Rule say. Rule three for comedy. Come on. That's it. <laughs> when Mrs. Doubtfire had the citizen's envelope on her desk. <laughs> well, I remember that. Hey, Mrs. Doubtfire, why don't you go have your cranberry juice? Ooh! I've never seen Mrs. Doubtfire. Really? I'm not kidding when I say that. I was wondering. All I know is, hello! Oh, hello! Quick, come up with a reference, Dave, for a movie you've never seen. Well, that's the one to do. Nobody's going to be like, you know, he hasn't seen it. If you just do the one never scene. Never seen it. It's might be one we have to visit. You think so? Over on Patreon. We'll see. All right. We'll see. It'll be fun. You know, hello! When we're tired of doing serious stuff for a while. I've done a few like, serious didn't, things. Didn't we? Roger Rabbit? Serious. Very serious. Very serious. It's murder. Got Boy, a safe yeah. dropped on his head. That's true. Tom makes it home. The men never show up, but tensions are high at the stall residence. Yep, and Vigo Mortis is... Sweaty. He's sweaty. He can't catch his breath. His endurance is real low. For the tension being high, Yeah, this man, he yeah. is not doing great. Well, he was also shot in the... Or stabbed in the foot and had to limp run yeah. all the way back home. You're right. Very fast. Because he thought... At a speed. Whole family at an appropriate speed for this movie. About to get moited. Yeah. Edie takes Sarah shopping, because... That's what you do after your Boy, that dead. was tense. Let's go buy some shoes. Let's go get some shoes. And then he runs an Al Bundy at the shoe store. See, it all ties together. <laughs> I told you. It's a connected universe. Couldn't believe it either. A black Chrysler 300 parks next to them as they go into the mall. This movie does not let up. No. It is just like, this, remember that scene? Yeah. We're on to the next one now. Keep up. The Chrysler 300 is like the Audi of the MCU. Like, yeah. it's in every thing oh, imaginable yeah. it's here. Like, oh, there, there's that car again. Guess we're going to get more action. Sarah goes missing while Edie is trying on shoes because she's a great mom. <laughs> she goes looking for her throughout the mall and she finds her staring in a window of a toy store, but being watched by Ed Harris. That's not what you want. Even in real life, that's not what you want. Right. And there's something so intimidating about Ed Harris going, don't worry, I was watching her. Yep. Oh, I don't feel better at all. He is like the creepiest villain in a lot of things. When, like in The yeah. Rock. In The Rock, he actually has a very good reason why he does what he does. And he explains why he does what he does in that. I'm sure he does. That's my Mrs. Doubtfire. Are you kidding me? I am not. Oh, see, this is, I feel like Sean right now. All right. So folks, you heard it here, how on Patreon next month, we're going to be talking about the Shawshank Redemption. Yeah. At Brian's pick. <laughs> I'm going to announce August now. It's going to be The Rock. Ooh. It has to be The Rock. So we're we're back to back. The Criterion Collection Michael Bay film, The Rock. <laughs> I feel like it's not a dissimilar movie to Shawshank, though. It is. One they're trying to get out of prison, one they're trying to get in. 
Fair enough. There you go. You were keeping it very diverse over on Patreon. You're doing a great job. Tune in. It's the best. Uh, no, that's actually, that's, it's, that's it's good. It's funny because the Patreon episodes, we kind of, uh, off air, we call them the smart ones. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, I just found out that Dave calls them that. So Ed Harris tells Edie all about her husband and he's still crazy fucking Joey. And, uh, and you know, he's like, yeah, he oh, took a like I was saying, barbed wire to my the eye. Whole, the, before the whole The Rock nonsense. Right. Hello. That whole thing. Oh, hello. Ed Harris is such a subdued actor yeah that you can't ever tell which direction he's coming from because there's such a calming presence that has such an intimidation behind it exactly it is so so good everything he's in he's so so good do you know what's scarier than ed harris being subdued the truman show ed harris no where he's god more or less no i love that ed harris it's very good ed harris Uh, but he's also the villain i just mean the next line that ed harris has in this movie hello no where he goes don't forget your shoes. Yeah, it's really good. That is good. terrifying. It's real good. Terrifying. Good luck sleeping tonight, everybody. I love it. Don't forget your <laughs> shoes. Because she has to kick her shoes off to leave the store. Yep. Because she was trying them on. And they're like, miss, I can't let you. Yeah, because the kid, uh, that lady needs it's to get fired. 2005. That Al Bundy lady needs to get fired from that shoe store. Yeah. The kid's clearly missing and she's in a panic. You can't wear those out. All right, fuck it. Kick them off. Kick them off. Don't forget your shoes. Terrifying. Yeah, but you also know that Maria Bell is going to have a fantasy about this that night, probably. Kid's missing. The adrenaline's up. She's going to go bone her husband of that thought. <laughs> Vigo, I need you to go down on me now. I'm thinking about shoes. Vigo Mortensen probably got uh, cancer from this movie. Michael Doug style. Michael Doug style. That's right. <laughs> uh, Maria Bellows, the Catherine Zeta-Jones of this movie. Uh, Mikey Doug style. <laughs> At school, Jack and Bobby finally get in that fight. It finally happens. You know, they, they surround him in the hallway and they push him around. They're like, oh, but your dad's real embarrassed because you're such a pussy. And <laughs> dad's real embarrassed. My dad literally just killed a man last like, what night. Are you, what are you doing? You're picking the wrong you think, fight. You think today's the day that you should come at me? My dad just killed two people. So naturally, Jack destroys Bobby. Violently. Lights him up. It's bad. It's... Flash Thompson had it better in the first Spider-Man movie. Yeah. In the same exact scene. Yeah. <laughs> Because all, all Topes McGobes did to him was a couple flippies. Yep. That's it. That's all I need to do. <laughs> Go back, listen to episode two. <laughs> or don't. We we sound different. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a different show now. It's very green. <laughs> <laughs> We've learned a lot along the way. Tom is real upset with his son. He tells him, in this family, we don't solve our problems by hitting people. We solve by shooting him. people in the fucking head, apparently. <laughs> Movie, what are you doing? Well, I love that that's what his kid says back, but like back to back, Tom thoughts are we don't hit people. Whack. Yeah, uh, it's confusing (laughs) to put it that's a mixed message. I would say to send to a child. He's like pretty much putting his kid in the friend zone at that point. (laughs) If you want to look at it high school style, I guess (laughs) (laughs) you know, the friend zone. So it's a confusing thing to be in the friend zone. It's very confusing. You ever been in the friend zone? Me? Yeah. I don't know if the friend zone is really a thing, Dave. Are you kidding? I can't tell if you're kidding or not. Um, Are we about to have like a When Harry Met Sally discussion right now? <laughs> I don't know if I follow. You've never seen that movie either. <laughs> there you go. Well, <laughs> I want to apologize like to, announce to right now for our 85 episodes. <laughs> it's been a waste of time. <laughs> uh, I watch superhero movies, Dave. <laughs> Billy Crystal, the ultimate superhero. Oh, my bad. He, should. he broke the mold of can can guys and gals be friends? I've seen... He said it no. She said yes. He won. Spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the tagline of the movie? 
I feel like I've seen most of that movie, but never the whole thing. Goodness. Yeah. All right. Well, this has been a weird show. Sure has. This has been the weirdest episode we've had so far. It's, well, you it's know like what a it learning was. experience, We didn't really. set a tone in the beginning by killing a child. <sighs> we forgot. That's... You, you break tradition one week. Right? And it just really throws you we off. We forgot one of human sacrifice, and Every... now here we are. We always cheers whiskey, and we kill a child before we, tr- we do this. And I said, I, you know what? I couldn't find the kid Maybe we could week. skip a kid this it. week. Maybe, you know, for the sake of stockpile. We're superstitious. We should have stuck stitious. with it. We're a little stitious, <laughs> apparently. Two kids next week. Make oh, no. <laughs> Jack runs away, as you do after you get smacked by your dad who murdered people. Right. Your, your murder dad. <laughs> That's right. Self-defense dad. Come on. Edie tells Tom about Fogarty at the mall. She got a restraining order against him. He's like, what a good that'll do. Fastest restraining order in the history of restraining orders, yeah. Yeah, amazing. Well, she's an attorney, so I guess she's got pull. I don't know. Uh, Also, uh, they must have heard that there was a restraining order against them because they pulled in the driveway as soon as she said it. This movie doesn't want to wait any time. Let's move on. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Because this movie easily could have been stretched out to two hours, and I would have been like, nope. What now? Cronenberg said. But they're like, no. Cool 95. Cut the fat. Cool 95. (laughs) Tom goes out with a shotgun. He's like, hey, get out of here, you guys, obviously, because that's what you do when there's people who are looking for you and want to kill you, and or maybe, I don't know, they want to talk to Joey. But They want him to come Joey. with him. Right. He's, there, he's like, come with us. Also, they have Jack. Yeah, that's a problem. That's um, that's going to kind of force his hand there. So he's like, Edie, get inside. He's like, all right, I'll talk with you guys if you let Jack go. He comes closer. They let Jack go. and He walks inside. And one of Fogarty's guys holds a gun up to Tom. But like calmly. Calmly. Like a friendly way like, of holding a gun. Like slowly raises the gun, and then all of a sudden his nose is gone. It, uh, it got bashed in by the Tom. Several times with the, the, the palm, the base of the palm, right? The yeah. uppercut to the nose. That's the way to do it. I feel like the whole rumor in like middle school was like, if you hit somebody that way, they die immediately. And then a history of violence came out. And they were like, see, told you. Middle schoolers everywhere were like, yeah, it shoves the nose bone into your brain and kills yep. you instantly. I heard it middle school, too, actually. <laughs> yeah, see? And it was from, like, the, the weird kid that you were friends with. Right. Who knew too much You're about like, too much. It was talking about very odd. Weird kid. Yeah. Kid's name was Joey. He was, he was from Philly. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. But he breaks the guy's nose off, basically. Takes his gun, shoots the other goon, but he can't get to Fogarty in time. He gets shot in the shoulder. Yes, he does. And he falls on the ground, and Ed Harris walks up to him and says, you have anything to say before I kill you? And he goes, yeah, I should have killed you in Philly. God damn oh! it! What a oh! fucking moment! God! And he's like, yeah, you should have. And he goes to pull the trigger, and he gets blasted in the back by the shotgun by Little Jack! What the hell? Oh my god! That's ridiculous! And then there's this tense moment where you know Jack heard what Tom slash Joey said on the ground, and he gets up covered in blood, and he slowly walks towards his son, his face looking like it hasn't in this entire movie. Right. And you're like, what is he going to do? He takes the shotgun from him, and he gives him a big old hug. He gives him a hug, and that's just what you want as a son. Speaking as, as a son, I'm a son. Yeah. Is, <laughs> I want my dad to hug me with the blood of the man I just murdered i just right. completely murked with a shotgun after i heard that. happy father's day dad this is my <laughs> this is my moment to you happy father's day dad love you brian can you give me a peewee laugh for my dad <laughs> suck it what a tense scene it is extremely tense uh end of act two by the way there's a half hour left yeah um this thing is broken up perfectly you can hey look we killed the villains again 
this should be taught in screenwriting classes this because is it is so perfectly laid out, this entire movie. A lot of Holy times shit. your second act is like way longer than your first and third, but not here. No, this it is. This movie breaks it up. Proportional. Perfect. There are very clear beats to end the act to push the story along. Yeah, it's every time they kill the villain of the movie, it's time for a new act. Right. uh, Psycho, Alfred Hitchcock. They kill Janet Leigh at the beginning of the movie, and you're like, what? That was the main character. Dave, are we going to go three for three? I'm bringing up everything. I've never seen Psycho. Oh, holy shit. (laughs) This is the week that you got fed up and decided that we we don't need to do this anymore. So I'd like to announce our September, September movie. Our September movie is a tryout for a new co-host. <laughs> oh, no, that's fair. I get it. <laughs> Look, man, I know one thing. I know it good. It's superheroes. It's appropriate for this show. For what that's worth. <laughs> I mean, there's a reason we got pigeonholed into this genre. We're pretty pigeonholed in, aren't we? <laughs> that's how we do the not so super stuff. <laughs> that that show is for my expansion. That's right. Brian's learning and growing and. So can you. Join Patreon. I've seen so many movies, just not the Those, important not ones. Not the ones I'm naming <laughs> like, right now. The most important one. I've seen Mrs. Doubtfire. Where were you? Uh, you're right. Ah, uh, see? Got him. You got me. Good for you. This movie's broken up very well. Let's move on. I'm so sad. <laughs> the history of sadness. Aw. At the hospital. They got the same room again. How about that? Yep. That's usually a hospital's work in movies and TV shows. Watch Scrubs. They're always in the same room. It's right outside of the You're right. reception area. It's now always I think about the it. same room. Watch Scrubs recently again because of the podcast that right. Zach Braff and Donald Fake Doctor's Real Friends. Very good. I believe that. Not a sponsor. Love them dearly. Those two are wonderful. Edie asks Tom to tell her the truth after what she saw him do at the house. She's like, oh, I saw you. I saw you be Joey. And he's like, all right, fine. I used to be Joey Cusack. He got me. He wasn't. I, I thought Joey was gone. What? I love that. He's like, I thought I killed Joey. Dude, that's you. Yeah, this is complicated in a lot of ways. Yeah, because you're but like. Very good. Like, is he schizophrenic? What's happening here? I'm still not sure. I and I saw this movie. I still don't know. You've seen it twice. Yeah. Uh, well, one and a half, we'll call it. One and one tenth, even. <laughs> I saw the whole movie and also the stair scene one other time. Right. You're right. Joey Cusack. Was not a good dude. He would kill people for money and fun, depending on how he was feeling that day, I guess. But he spent years trying to kill off Joey. and he he, No, he, he said he spent three years three killing years. Joey. That is specific. I spent three years trying to kill Joey, and then I met you. And I was like, nope, I'm Tom now. Right. Once I <laughs> ate that, that pussy and got that cancer. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for going so blue there. But <laughs> uh, that's what happened. I became Tom Stahl. Well. We should put the Maria explicit Bello. label on this episode. Yeah, you think? Yeah, I think so. Edie is devastated. So much so, she throws up. She threw up everywhere. She threw up, and then she's like, Tom Stahl, did you make that up? Where'd the name come from? And I love this line. That is interesting. I love this line. It was available. Now, the crazy part about this is that you have a history of violence. Yes. Whose history? I'm imagining... Vico Mortensen's history. I am too, but then also you have Jack, the son, beating the shit out of this kid. So it makes it feel like it's almost like like a genetic pass down almost. Oh. But then even at the same time is now you're focusing on the family history of Stahl. What is that? It was available. Now you have the son and the mom who have like this identity crisis. Right. Oh, who, who am, I? am I? This is ridiculous. Because my dad is actually Joey, C- Joey Cusack. Joey Cusack. What's that about? This is very interesting. I'm 16 years old and I'm just now finding out that my dad's not my dad. I mean, he is, but he's not. 
Your dad did cool things, son. Genetically, yes. Everything else, I don't know anymore. No. Very cool the way this is all laid out. Yeah. And at home, Jack confronts him. He's like, if I tell my girlfriend, are you going to have her whacked? He watched way too much Sopranos. Oh, yeah. 16-year-old kid. He doesn't really know what's happening. He has no clue. He's like, oh, you're going to kill me if I talk, dad? (laughs) He's still your pop, bud. No. Your dad gave you a blood hug. You're the first of my loins. (laughs) If I was going to murder you, I would have done it back there when you heard the truth. Right. Tensions are high. Tensions are high. This entire family, they're like, not doing well. Little girl's doing just fine. The daughter. Actually, yeah, she's totally clueless, but she's going to have serious issues down the road. Oh, therapy on therapy on therapy. And she's not going to know why ever. Nope. Subconsciously destroyed. Just done. That poor kid. Sam comes to talk to Tom. He can't figure out why Fogger would go through all the trouble if he wasn't absolutely certain. And Tom's about to confess, but Edie covers for him, which is like, why? What is happening? Let him go. He's been lying to you for a long time. And she's like, no, this is my husband. He's always has been. This is who he is. You got a crazy imagination, Sam. Too much time on your hands. Poor Sam. And Sam's like, I feel like such a dick. And he leaves. (laughs) He goes from (laughs) being Sam Malone, I got you pegged, cheers style. I'm the cool one to Sam the Butcher, fucking Brady Bunch style. Like, I'm going to pop up once every 10 episodes. He's like, suck. If you need anything, anything at all, let me know. Because he feels so bad. But I don't know if he knows what he's offering. Nope. He has no clue. And then Tom and Edie have violent stair sex. Edie storms out of the room and tries to go up the stairs, to which Tom says, no, no, no. And then they beat the shit out of each other. Right. And then it ends up with them boning on the stairs. Yes. Uh, Like, really, really going at it. Where, if you want to see something that looks realistic, stair sex, watch A History of of Violence. If you want to see something that looks fake, filmy, stair sex, watch The Room. But... (laughs) This if you year, want to see somebody oh have sex with a belly button. God, they're going at it. Uh, Cronenberg. No, was... in the room they do it on the spiral staircase. Yeah, Greg and Lisa and the belly button. No, oh, that's a different Greg... one. Right, right. We you shouldn't are. talk about the room, but we shouldn't because it's we should. really fucking we cliche. Should. I mean, I'd rather talk about the disaster artist. I would too. I love that movie. That would be that was very well done. Very good book. Cronenberg was actually concerned about the actors in this scene. He didn't want them to get hurt. So he asked for stunt pads to soften the stairs. So he called up Roger Ebert and said, listen, I know you're going to see this movie because I'm David Cronenberg. Let me explain to you how this And I know super sex was a terrifying thing to you. The stunt guy laughed because in 20 years he had never been asked for stunt pads for a sex scene. Not doing it right then. Um, and the way they shot it, they couldn't use them for most of them. So in the next scene, Edie is in bed and she's bruised and you can see it. There's actually makeup on her to hide bruises. Because of how beat up she actually got in this scene. Her and Vigo go at it. They they are commit. not holding back. Those two together, I don't know how the chemistry actually is. I can't like I it's confusing I a lot of the time. hundred percent agree. But oh my god, they commit. Big time. It is it is a visceral scene. Visceral, I think is the right word. Look at you. Yeah. Hey, I haven't seen a lot of movies, but I know a couple words. I just like how you have Maria Bello's the one who leans in and says, we're going to have to fuck right now. Yeah. We have to fuck this second, yeah, damn like, it. And they go at it. But she then after grabs she, his head yeah, and pulls it to her. But back. after they're done, she's the one who goes up the stairs. Vigo grabs for her leg and she's like, no, no, no fuck I'm you. I used you. you. Done with you. You used me for 16 years. I'm going to use you for three seconds. Bam. <laughs> we Good see for her. The whole sex. And then Vigo's there with his pants half pulled down. because Just on the stairs like, fuck, now what? Nah, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> what a movie. What a movie. Edie cries in bed. Tom cries on the couch. Yep. Crying in separate 
soft places. The phone rings. It's Joey's brother, Richie. Do we know it's his brother, Richie? Yeah, he says, point? hey, Brohim, it's Richie. He says, Brohim. I, everyone calls everyone Brohim. Well. That's a, a term of phrase. A term of phrase. It is a term of phrase, but. Brohim. For a real fucking tool bag, it's a term of phrase. But, but Ed Harris yeah. also said, ask him about his brother, Richie, earlier in the movie. And You're right. in and the diner, he's that. like, what about your brother, Richie? They've said brother Richie a few times in the movie. Brohim. He asked Joey, are you going to come see me or do I have to go see you? And that's when he realizes, okay, I got to go to Philly. He leaves in the middle of the night in the pickup truck that he must have got working at that moment. Yep. <laughs> He's like, Fixed it up real oh, good. Uh, snap of my fingers and the truck works. Bibbidi bobbidi boo, truck. Also, half trucks are gone now. My bad. <laughs> Don't snap. We've talked about this. Yeah. Oh, whoops. So he drives straight to Philly, 15, 16 hours. But it's not. There's no fucking way, right? He lives in Indiana. I mean, I know it's nine hours from here to Ohio. But Indiana's just a little bit more. Hold on. We're going to Google map. Maybe he counted in like stopping to pee. You Maybe he took like a two hour nap. We're going to put in my uh, our good buddy Ryan from Experience Grind podcast town. His unnamed town that we're not going to name. Sure. And we're going to get directions to Philadelphia. Philadelphia. Pennsylvania. That's in Pennsylvania, right? It is in Pennsylvania, right? So if Ryan from the Experience Grind podcast wanted to go visit his killer brother in Pennsylvania, in Philadelphia, in Pennsylvania. Yes, yes. It would take him 11 hours, three minutes. Okay. So you figure you stop for food twice and to pee and also get a couple hours of rest in there somewhere. All right. Pretty fair, I suppose. And he guesstimated 15, 16 hours. He makes it to Philly. He makes it to Philly. He meets up with Ruben at some bar. He just goes to this bar, meets bar, up with a Reuben. Yeah. Gets a Genesee cream ale. He does. You ever gotten a Genesee cream ale? I have had, I've never gotten a Genesee cream but ale, had? but I've had a Genesee cream ale. So there you go. Yeah. Uh, I feel like that's not something you order. It's just something you end up with. Right. My my grandpa liked Genesee cream ale quite a bit, actually. Yeah. And I get why. It's because he was old. So <laughs> it's one of those. There you go. I know it as the Jenny Screams. Aren't they like stupid cheap? They're insanely cheap. Yeah. And they also make you poop. Well, there you go. Because the water. Right. I mean, <laughs> if if you're in that area, Lion's Head will, will do the same thing, but the gas version. There you go. Just Lion's Head. It's got fun puzzles under the, under the caps and uh, will make you fart your brains out. The more you know. Don't just say we talk about superhero films. We also talk about Philly and beer Philly. And, and, and bodily functions. <laughs> and M. Night Shyamalan sometimes. Yeah, occasionally. Because <laughs> of Philly. Because <laughs> of Philly. Ruben brings uh, Joey to Richie's mansion. All of a sudden, did you notice how instantly Viggo Mortensen has a Philly accent? It's wild. Like, all of a sudden, Joey's alive, and he, now he's from Philly. Right. He's got an Eagles jersey on, which is kind of weird. <laughs> you see Green Man in the back seat. That was kind of weird. Yeah. That seemed a yeah. little bit Cronenberg. I get it. It's kind of one of those get-in-your-head type of- He really let it slip yeah. when he when he was handing out menus at the diner, and they all said hoagie on them. I couldn't believe it. I, Come on, man. It was Cover your tracks. A little bit, at the very least. <laughs> My name is Tom. Tom McNabb. I mean, not Tom <laughs> McNabb. I mean, Tom Cunningham. God, not Tom Cunningham. Tom, w- <laughs> Tom Wentz. Nope. Uh, Damn it. Uh, Tom Stallone? <laughs> Could you imagine if Ed Harris, when he was alive, R.I.P. Ed Harris in this movie, if, <laughs> if uh, to really call out Tom, he's like, yeah, ask, uh, ask Joey here about his brother Richie. And he's like, my name is Tom, sir. And he goes, E-A-G. <laughs> you hear Tom go, uh, L-E, fuck. Uh, that. Fuck, you got me. <laughs> oh, that just left a bad taste in my mouth. It left a bad taste in my mouth because uh. I'm a 
New York football Giants fan because I'm a sane human being and not a piece of shit like a Philadelphia Eagles fan. I mean, you guys are close, but... We're close, but we're not because we don't throw up on children. That's the important That's thing true. to know. You don't, you don't throw snowballs at Santa. That's... Well... Well, well, <laughs> let's not go that far. Six it's the one. NFC East. <laughs> Calm down. Uh, Eagles fans, if you listen, we really appreciate you listening. But, but we don't appreciate you. But also, your fuck football. you. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, also, so that. I love Philly. I love that city so much. It's great to visit. It's a very good city to visit. To if you visit want to and... want to watch something that's great about Philly, you can watch Rocky. Yep. Or you can watch the All or Nothing series on the Philadelphia Eagles that came out this year of when they fucking bomb hard. Because fuck you, Eagles! Wow. There it is. <laughs> uh, we don't like to take stances here on the podcast, but... But fuck you, Eagles. Yes, fuck you, Eagles. <laughs> oh, hold on. While we're at it. Fuck you, Cowboys. Just because we're here. Yeah, I, sure. While we're taking a stand. Yeah, go ahead. I'll let you have it. Fuck you, Cowboys. Okay. We've done it. Are you, are you good? Are you good? Do you have another one? Uh, I'm sure good? you have one more. Uh, it's a light fuck you Redskins. They haven't been competitive in goddamn years. So yeah, who yeah, gives but... a shit about them? Remember Roger yeah. Griffin III when he was good and then he broke his fucking knee and now they suck again. It's the best. It's phenomenal. Oh, phenomenal. But also they should God. probably change their name. They Change your name. Hashtag <laughs> change on. your name. Come on. So now that we've abandoned. Tearing down statues, but then you let that shit fly. Now that we've abandoned the rest of the NFC East. <laughs> <laughs> You're a New England Patriots fan. I know, but. Giants fans are still with us because I didn't say fuck you, Giants fans. Even you can't. Though, even you can't because Eli will show soul. up. Eli Manning will show up in the fortress and go, say it again. And I would say it again. And then Eli is just going to flash a couple rings at you. Yeah. A couple? Yeah. Is that all? That's all he's got. That's all he needs. Oh, okay. Fuck you, Eagles. Carry on. Fuck you, Eagles. I think that's the consensus we reached. Ruben pats Joey down when they get to the mansion because he couldn't do it at the bar or in the car or wherever. He had to wait till they got the mansion to make sure if he had a weapon, he didn't bring it in with him. Now's the time to frisk. Inside. Right. You know. um, It's a lot like when you're midair in an airline (laughs) and make everyone stand up. Guys, now that we're up. (laughs) This is your pilot. We've reached (laughs) cruising altitude. I'm going to need everyone to stand up. We're going to do the security check now. (laughs) (laughs) What the hell? What are we doing here? Amazing. Amazing. (laughs) While he's patting him down, Richie comes out. (laughs) William Hurt. Thaddeus Thunderbolt Ross. William fucking Uh, Hurt. There it is. Third build, not in the movie until now. Oscar nominated for this fucking movie. For this eight minute role, (laughs) William Hurt. How? Well, did you watch it? Oh, you're right. That's how. (laughs) That's right. They do a weird thing where they touch foreheads. So you know, like, oh yeah, they got history, I guess. A history of violence. A history of at least forehead touching. Right. They go into Richie's office and they chat. I'm pretty pissed at you, bro, him. <laughs> <laughs> so good. It's so good. Richie's a little butthurt because it took him longer to get as rich as he is. So he's going to kill his brother. That's what it comes down to. As you do? As, maybe? I don't know. Or he's still mad that their mom whacked him when he was trying to strangle him as a baby. One of those two reasons. Yeah. Uh, it's complicated. And Joey, relationship's complicated. Joey's just like, is there anything I could do? He's like, <laughs> you could do something, I guess. You could die, Joe. Boom. And then he turns around, because he can't watch his brother get <laughs> Here's murdered. Here's the thing. Here's <laughs> the thing about murder. <laughs> so, you know you got the, uh, the, the two mafia guys behind you, or whatever they are. I don't know what Philadelphia mafia is. I'm going to... No, I'm not. Nope. <laughs> careful there. <laughs> you, can't, you can't say fuck the Eagles and then call out the Philly mafia. <laughs> Satire's weird. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so you got the two 
presumably mafia people behind it. When he says, you could die, and then dramatically turns his chair to not watch his brother die, you should just assume that something's about to sneak up on you. From behind. To which Viggo Mortensen yeah. puts his arm up, and sure enough, there's a wire about he to He goes full him. Phantom of the Opera hand at the level of your eyes. Perfect. And there's a reference that probably... Not well, gonna land for most superheroes. It's appropriate, unfortunately, <laughs> uh, because R.I.P. Joel Schumacher. Yes, we lost him last week, and he directed Phantom of the Opera along with Batman Forever and Batman and Robin, and Lost Boys, and Lost Boys, which is so good. I'll go on record say he's not a bad director. No, not even by no. a. And I heard he was shot. an even better guy. There so, you go. Um, we'll miss him if if you think that means we're gonna move up Batman and Robin. You're we're wrong, not because. It's in a it's in the perfect tribute spot right now, and we'll get to it when we get to it. We'll get there, 100. We'll get there. <laughs> Spoiler. <laughs> we told you at the beginning of the episode. Spoilers. <laughs> so Ruben goes to strangle Joey with some piano wire. Ruben doesn't know that Joey's got a history of violence. <laughs> apparently, even though he was in the room for the whole conversation about Joey's fucked up history of violence. Right. But here's the Where thing even, also about- even Richie is like- you use yeah. barbed wire to tear out the guy's eye? That's fucked up, dude. It is fucked up. But here's the thing about Joey, that he's not telling anybody. So you had it at the beginning of this movie. No throat is safe around Joey Cusack, around Viggo Mortensen here. <laughs> yeah. He goes for Maria Bello's throat. And that's, that's true. That pretty much said, like, I got you. Sexy throat. Now scene. you're mine. Uh, he also likes to throat chop. And that's what he does to the guy with the gun before Ed Harris gets murked. Yeah. <laughs> so Joey, Viggo Mortensen, has seen MacGruber. No throat is safe. Because he knocks down this Reuben guy and then stomps on his fucking throat. Yeah. Extremely violently. You think we cut away? You're wrong. No, we see it. We see him spit up blood and everything. And if you have the DVD, you can watch the side-by-side -side of the pre-edited version and the post-edited version because the MPAA said, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> this movie is violent. You can't show that. And they're like, come on, really? Cronenberg's like... All right, fine. Let's, I turned Goldblum into a fly. What did you Tell think me what you were I getting. can't do? <laughs> I invented Brundlefly. <laughs> yeah, so Joey kills both of the goons in the room, and uh, Richie starts shooting at him, so he, he runs away, because that's what you do when your brother starts shooting a gun at you. Richie and his last henchman, they go looking for him. But I like this. This is very brotherly to play hide and seek. Before. Isn't it? <laughs> like, you have your last stand <laughs> Richie goes outside because he sees that Joey left the door open. But guess what? Joey's still inside. The call came from inside the house. I couldn't believe it either. When he came out with the scream mask, uh, took me out of it for a second. So Richie's- Only for a second. Richie's outside. Door slams shut. Other henchman. He is dead. Bam. Yep. Joey picks up the gun. Richie starts fumbling the keys to get back inside the house. And as soon as he hears those keys jingle, Joey throws open the door and shoots his brother in the forehead. Yep. William Hurt, Oscar nominated for this role. Bam. Eight minutes. And he is gone. Good for you. And yeah, yeah, he did. He he received a nomination for Best Supporting Actor. Couldn't believe it. In this acclaimed eight-minute role. Joe Tom gets back home. The family Joe is Tom. eating dinner. <laughs> he silently walks into the dining room. Well, even before that, because he goes out to the back oh, of yeah. Richie's house, his mansion, and he throws the gun to the lake and then kind of like cleanses himself in the lake. Right. He like Prince style. I forgot that, that was. in a Lake Minnetonka or whatever it is. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> but why would you throw it in the lake? Like, all right, there's bodies in this house. Also, what happened to Ed Harris's body? The world may never know. Well, Ed Harris's body was taken away by, I imagine, Sam. I wouldn't and, because. Well, the whole reason Sam was like, these you're not going to have the whole self-defense thing twice. That's a little sketchy. 
Well, no, because Sam knew the whole situation and they had the restraining order. They knew. I feel like the whole reason Sam gets wise to the thing and he starts questioning it is because after he told these guys to leave town, they came back and got murked. All right. Fair enough. But he throws this gun into the lake and they're going to find that in a second for sure well, the first place they're gonna look is the lake hey why don't we why don't we dredge up that lake i bet you we find a gun <laughs> i have a good feeling this guy's gotta well, the thing is it's the they're not gonna find gun, a boot from so. the guy's throat that's for sure but <laughs> the other guy's got gunshot wounds for sure and yeah he cleans himself off in this gorgeous pond that is outside this giant mansion in philly in garbage philly <laughs> Careful. I like that city. No, they're, they're great. They're definitely outside the city at this point, though. They are, but the eagle stench is all there. Well, yeah. They, they have a larger demographic area. Anyway, Joe Tom gets home. The family is eating dinner in silence. Shit is weird. Sarah is so confused. Yeah, uh, she's just a little girl. She wants to eat dinner. He silently walks into the dining room, and nobody makes eye contact with him. Sarah gets up. She sets a plate for him. Jack hands him Adorably. the loaf. Yeah, she's like, oh, dad's home. Let me just set this down. Yep. Jack is like, here's the meatloaf, Dad. <laughs> Imagine that. What, what is going through her head? Oh, Dad had a diner business trip. <laughs> <laughs> eh, she's 10. <laughs> what, is, what is that all about? I bet he learned good things about eggs. <laughs> Make them <laughs> scramble. He, he learned a new way to poach. <laughs> Tom and Edie slowly look up from their meatloaf dinner at each other. They're crying. They got them tears. Credits. Yeah, well, it is it is credits, but it's a cool look up because it's one of those we know what we have to live with at yeah, this point. Of right. Things are never going to be the same. I'd imagine that Maria Bell is going to use those tears as lube later because <laughs> she is so horny in this movie. Yeah. But that is a history of violence 2005. That's it. That's by the David Cronenberg. Wow. This movie is real fucking good. It is so good. Oh, my God. I had no idea. There are so many nuanced little things that we didn't talk about that are just kind of like the entire scene with the brother. This is what I want to talk about. For this, at least, is okay. the cinematography properly here. With the brother, Richie, William Hurt, this scene is so boring in a lot of ways. It is just those two talking. The camera is just on Vigo or it's on William Hurt. Right. It's not doing anything else. There's right. no, not any other angles besides those two. But there kind of are. This is one of the most fascinating cinematography things that we've talked about so far. This movie plays a little magic trick on you. Go on. When William Hurt is talking about their past as brothers, did you notice the way that the the frame was? No. Here. It's very hard to talk about audibly when you're look, talking about sure. the visual. But William Hurt moves towards the center of the frame. So he moves over to the right side of the frame. And when you cut back, you have Viggo Morrison looking right to left. William Hurt moves in like he's trying to come closer to it. But the camera never moves. Hmm. So acting-wise now, you have a character who's off-center and closer to the character he's talking to. And Vigo stays back and actually pushes visibly a little bit farther back. But then as William Hurt starts talking about how much danger Vigo's getting into, he starts dropping back more to the center of the frame. Vigo starts to move slightly more. It's like, it's these little camera tricks to show who holds the power in these scenes. And it happens throughout this entire movie where the script is nothing special to me. The dialogue is nothing special. No. Well, like I said earlier, I think the dialogue, especially in the first half of the movie, I found saccharine, I think is the word I would use, and unbelievable. At times, I scoffed. I went, nobody says that. Nobody says that. That's insane. But as soon as the switch happens to Joey, I was in. I was like, everything he's saying- It makes sense, though, because it's not artificial anymore. Right. Exactly. It was like they intentionally had shit dialogue in the first half of the movie. It's amazing. And I was like, this is brilliant. 
But they play all these little camera tricks throughout this entire movie because this is a very straightforward story for as many twists as there are. Yeah. It's a character study where you learn more and more about this character as it goes along and you're kind of guessing a lot of things. But as we move forward, it's boring in the best way possible. It's exactly. Because it plays tricks on I you. Mean, I don't know if boring is the right word. I think simple. That's fair. But this is one of those movies where if you watched it with subtitles, I have a lot, I know a lot of people, like a lot of friends who like to watch movies with subtitles. I I know those monsters. I can't stand it. (laughs) I can't stand it. My wife's one of them. She knows I can't stand it. You're not paying attention to what's going on with the camera. Mm -hmm. The camera is a really important part of every film. This movie is masterfully made. That was my immediate thought as soon as it ended. I was like, this is one of those where I'm like, it was an excellently made movie. Is the movie as good as how well it was made? I'm not sure it is, and that's okay. And I'm fine with that. Be- I will, like I felt I felt tricked when I was done with it, yeah. but I knew why because exactly. of I was taking copious notes on this thing of like, <laughs> well, that's a great shot. All right, well, that's really interesting. That, that yeah. I think this movie is shot better than it actually is, but it's shot in the like for shooting something boring. It's shot in the most brilliant way. Absolutely. Absolutely. This is an extremely impressive movie that just takes its time. Which is unbelievable because it's only an hour and a half long. 95 minutes. I mean. we, Me and you exchange a text usually when we're about to watch the movie. It's usually yeah. like a Sunday before we record or something like that. Like, yeah. And I go, sweet, cool 95 minutes. This is great. I can't wait. It's my favorite. Whereas if you get like a two and a half hour movie, you're like, oh, okay. This might this is going to be a bit of a chore. Right. Right. Oh, we're going to have to work through this one. This squeezed so much into that time. I can't believe how much they got done. Well, I texted you earlier that it was immediate transitions between scenes that were maybe a little bit too long. Nailed it. In fact, you completely nailed it. Like either the scene was, oh my God, we're already to the next part, or it was, we're still here. And that was mostly sex scenes. So you're right. (laughs) (laughs) Brian, let me ask you, Rotten Tomatoes, 1 100. Go ahead. I honestly have no idea. I don't know how critics would look. Well, no, because there's a lot of nice camera stuff. 80. 87. Okay. Ooh, nice. Audience is 76, so. Oh. Movie's liked. There you go. At the very least, it's liked. It's not loved. I feel like I never heard a lot about it when it first came out. I remember hearing it like as a festival darling, like one of those yeah, that, checks that out. was big. But I mean, I saw it in theaters. And I don't remember it. <laughs> that's wild to me. I think that's the best thing about it, though. It means it has rewatchability if you forget about it. I guess so. <laughs> but I mean, this movie cost $32 million to make. Opening weekend, it did 8 mil. Yeah. Overall, it did 61 mil. So, I mean, it's a hit enough. Exactly. It, it, it made enough money to be considered cool. I guess Good. So. You did it. Roger Ebert saw this movie. He well, picked it for us. He better have seen it. Exactly. The jerk. <laughs> could you imagine? I could say whatever I want about him now because we're not doing another one next week. Nope. His birthday was last week. It'll we're be done. A, it'll we're be done. at least two or three weeks we're before back on we our terms now. Again. <laughs> You're right. He gave this movie a three and a half star out of four. So okay. He liked it a lot. That's good. Uh, he said a lot of things about the title of what does it actually mean of are we talking about the, a single person with a history of violence? Are we talking about the historical meaning of violence? Or are we talking about like a more Darwinian style of violence, oh, okay. of survival of the fittest? He quotes Cronenberg saying, I'm a complete Darwinian, which just proves that one. So well, why even bother go. with the first two? Why ask the question if you were just going to answer don't know. it? Unless you're struggling for word count. Eber goes on to say, history of violence seems deceptively straightforward, coming from a director with Cronenberg's quirky complexity. Mm. But think again. This is not a movie about plot, but about character. 
It is about how people turn out the way they do and about whether the world sometimes functions like a fool's paradise. I never give a moment's thought about finding water to drink. In New Orleans a few weeks ago, would I have been willing to steal from stores or fight other people for drinkable water? Yes, if it meant life for myself and my family, but I would have made a pitiful thief and fighter and probably would have failed. I don't know what he's getting at, but here we are. <laughs> uh, I, I believe that's got to be a Katrina reference, right? It has to be, but also a Darwinian thing of, I guess he's looking at Sur- it as violence as a means to an the- end. Okay. I'm not sure. I feel like for the most part it was in this movie. He was off the grid and then it started coming for his family. I think it was a means to an end for Tom in the movie when he was younger. Right. And then when he realized, I, I don't, I don't do have this to do this I don't want to do this. I to Indiana, even yeah. though I can move a hell of a lot farther and a hell of a lot more remotely. From Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. It's in Pennsylvania, right? Could have done <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, I think so. It was that Maria Bello, though. You'd move for her. I guess. <laughs> Tom Stahl did. Depends on if I know if she's got a cheerleader uniform or not. That's not true. Where'd she get it from? Who knows? Maybe she's always had it. Or maybe she just went to a costume shop. Ridiculous. She's like, ah, I'm a fancy lawyer. I can <laughs> cut out for lunch and pick up a cheerleading outfit. She might have ordered it on Amazon.com. She could be one of the monsters there. <laughs> you think she reviewed that? Five stars. Five stars. Real easy to be out. <laughs> I wore it and my husband couldn't help himself, but just... Nom, 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 nom. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it had an M on it for muff. So it's on the uniform. I don't, I don't write this stuff. Hmm. Oscar-nominated writer Josh Olsen did. He got nominated for it. He sure did. For Best Adapted Screenplay. Best Adapted Screenplay that you called boring. I still will. <laughs> On Amazon.com, this got a 4.4 out of 5. 69%. Nice. Our five star. <laughs> you mean the number below 70. <laughs> I apologize. You're right. From June 18th, 2020. Title. Porn. Review. <laughs> Could not watch. Too much porn. I am 71. This was not watchable. <laughs> I like that you put the age in there as a qualifier. That's a good <laughs> review as far as I'm concerned. I am 71. Does not work. <laughs> I am 17. Loved it. <laughs> I am 17. Cheerleader, too old. <laughs> that's, oh, you're not wrong. I am 32. Great. Great movie. Cheerleader, great. But also, that's a, that 17-year-old who didn't review this that I made up, Stacy's mom, they have no idea what that's all about. What is this rabbit hole we've gone down? I don't know if I'm a fan of it. I am unsure. <laughs> this 71-year-old woman did not like the movie because it was porn. Unsure if it's a woman. Oh, good call. I just assumed, and that's on me. <laughs> this movie's making us think weird things. I don't know. I feel like a 71-year-old dude would be totally in this movie. I don't know. Because wouldn't you be angry if you're 71 and you're like, I just pictured my- Old Joey Cusack down there's not getting up anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and you just, you see Maria Bello coming out like that and you're like, fuck. No. Damn it. As soon as you said 71. <laughs> Let me go write a review on, on Amazon.com. You said 71, and I imagined my dear sweet grandmother going to see this movie because it was critically acclaimed and then going, oh, it was horrid. <laughs> Fair enough. That's how I, that's just immediately where my head went. We'll never know. They said the F word so many times, and then <laughs> porn. <laughs> In fact, that might have been my grandmother. It's possible. <laughs> From April 14, 2006, if you are a rapist, you will get off on this movie. If you like hurting children, this movie is one that you should add to your collection. Oh my god. If you have absolutely no sense of humor and like to sit through movies without any comic relief, then oh trust me, 
This movie's for you. So this person just wanted to know where the where the ha-has were. The ha-has. They've never seen a drama. Just a uh, drama. <laughs> That's my new genre. Drama? Yep. I like Comedic it. Comedic dramas. Dramedies. But we're actually going to call them dramas. Brilliant. You it's, heard it here first. It's already an existing genre. I realized halfway through my statement, but I'm doubling down. That's all I got. <laughs> Good pitch. <laughs> uh, are you a rapist? Do you like to hurt children? I, no. No, I'm neither of those things. No and no. No, no and no. On both counts. Man, this super stuff is going to get weird when we get to it. Because I'm, I'm the same. Oh, okay. I mean, this isn't for us. Maybe this is this movie wasn't for us. I think we both said we liked it. So now Everyone forget the last hour you just heard of us gushing over this. Yeah, no, no. We forget hate about this it. movie. Ugh, it's awful. From September 28th, 2015. Completely mystified why this movie has such high ratings. The script is terrible, as is the acting. A great example is the school bully who latches onto the sun when he catches a ball in P.E. class. Not kidding, the kid catches the tough guy's ball in P.E., and the bully tries to start a fight because of it. Oh, yeah, and bully drives a souped-up truck with a gnarly paint job, which he swerves in front of the real bad guys just before flipping them off. Cool! None of that is wrong. <laughs> None of that is wrong. That Don't is you like what one star's land? <laughs> 100% the bully's motivation, and he does do that. All of that. So there you go. It's the best. Uh, also, the bully's out of this movie after he gets the shit kicked out of him. There's right? no resolution of that story. He's in two scenes. Yep. You're, uh, you know what? This movie's garbage. Cause you caught my fly ball, you son of a bitch. That bully Let's had Let's fight because you caught my fly ball, you son of a bitch. Ow! Boom. That's a wrap on the bully. Have a good night. Bully's got a poor <laughs> motivation. This whole movie stinks. <laughs> Art movie's the best, the best thing ever. I didn't believe Kyle Schmid for a second. Also, why is his name Schmid? <laughs> I don't know. Throw a T or something. Make it a real right? name. Come on, man. <laughs> I want my stage name to be my family name minus a letter. <laughs> That's what he went to register for the... <laughs> oh, man. The screen We're looking for Kyle like, Schmidt. We uh, have two of them. My name is Schmid. <laughs> I play the bully because of my hair. <laughs> Sir, to be a member of SAG, fast. you're going to have to change your last name. All right, drop the T. <laughs> what a fucking idiot. Get real bad about baseball stuff. From March 23rd, 2006, Sin City and V for Vendetta are also films based on graphic novels, and they are in a totally separate league from this film. Yes. Agreed. Continue. <laughs> this film seemed to say it was about sex, having it in painful and at times abusive ways. Also, a look at a small, quaint country town and a kid are thrown in for a little bit of nicety. Yeah, yeah. sometimes you got to throw in a kid for a little bit of nicety. That's, after you kill one in the first five minutes. After you kill the first one, you got to have the nicety kid to make up for it. Nicety you kid. You got to have a balance. You got to have a balance right. with the kids. Everything's about balance. Sex in a movie is fine, but this was painful. I mean that in every way. There is a scene where they do it. Violently, while fighting on hard wooden stairs. You can practically see Maria Bello's back get bruised. The sex scenes have you nothing can. to do the with scene. anything going on in the story. You are never sure why they are incorporated at certain points in the story. The story itself is all over the place and needed better development. Adding the sex scenes did not make up for the lack of a true story for the film. Viggo Mortensen went from acting in great films like Lord of the Rings to this. Bad choice. Mm. I know Brian disagrees. I agree. You know, he's fine in this one. This guy likes sex. Also, he's doing it wrong. This guy. <laughs> <laughs> this guy hates seeing sex. He does not care to see it. Especially if it's painful and sometimes violent. Right. Uh, there's certain letters that he should not Google in a 
order on the Google. It's, uh, great Metallica. I don't uh, know. B and D and S and M. Don't do it. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> can you imagine like a Sesame Street episode? This episode is brought to you by a few letters. B, B and D and S and M. Even if it was just S and M. Um, Great Metallica album, as you said. I just, I don't 100% disagree with him. The sex scenes, while I understand why they were there, weren't 100% necessary. I the second one disagree. The second one was way more important than the first one. I agree. The first one was there to prove that Maria Bello, if this were Jetpack Joyride, the fun little mobile game where you tap the button and he lifts up and you could go through and collect the coins. Wow, I feel if like you I already tap know where you're Maria going. Bello's button. <laughs> the little the guy goes up. The amount of wetness coming out would oh, be enough God. to be like one of those oh, lake jetpacks where she can Why? kind of collect coins Why? as she goes along. And collect upgrades to murder her husband, Jetpack Dry <laughs> Why? History of violence is doing weird things to my brain. Um, Yeah, blame it on the movie, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> I do think the second sex scene is more important because it does show that their relationship is... It's, is it close? It's rocky, it, but it's not... They can always come back. Exactly. There's still to somewhere to that, go. And it's I also... Um, Edie is really taking power back in that scene she really is big time but i also think she has power in the first scene with the cheerleader oh because I mean, she's absolutely well, giving the f- in the fantasy but at the same time she's the one who throws him down i think m- the first one is more so like on a rewatch you're like this guy is even less believable because he's like oh holy cow you're like oh man <laughs> this guy like he's two aw shucks in that scene you're right it's not believable that's the one that i laughed at i was this like this is the guy like, who, this guy actually, is a clown it's weird because tom stall's one who wrote this review but Joey Cusack's the one who's doing the biz. Yeah, okay. There you go. That's that's right. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, both scenes have their merit. Last one I have is from August 1st, 2006. See, if com gives a high rating to a film, if Ebert or Variety Magazine say something's fantastic, or if Sight and Sound says it's one of the best films of the year, then I'll almost always find it to be worth my time, even if the movie doesn't become a favorite. So what went wrong with A History of Violence? Why do I, along with so many other intelligent film watchers, despise Uh-oh. this movie when you love it? My preferred theory is that there's a group of pranksters somewhere that re-edited the film and replaced the actual DVDs with whatever garbage we naysayers ended up seeing. I feel like this is like the first instance of a review bomb that's ever happened in 2006. Does this guy have a conspiracy theory about yeah. different prints of the film? It's possible. Release the Cronenberg cut. We did. It was great. <laughs> it was amazing. <laughs> Honestly, this this entire yeah, there you, you there is no more Cronenberg. Cut. No, and I think that all the critics were right on this one, especially. And I really appreciate that this was Roger Ebert month. This is our fourth film yeah. that he chose, Ghost Hand picked for us, and he got mentioned in a Amazon one star review. And it made me very that? happy. It's like a. It's like we've built this universe, and now we're letting the little. Things play in it. The little monsters on Amazon are aware of Ebert. It's great. It's the best. The absolute best. Also, the one thing I really took from that review, do we need to start doing something with sight and sound? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe we should. Uh, stay tuned? Question mark? Who guess knows? we got to check out sight and sound. <laughs> Let's give this thing a super stuff score. Let's do that. But first, this is an actual IMDb trivia fact. And we're not allowed to pull from this week, but there is a little section on IMDb Trivia known as Director Trademark. Oh. So. So in here you would like see a Quentin Tarantino be like, 
feet or trunk. Something of the sort. Got it. So uh, this is for... <laughs> or Favreau. Perfect. Well done. Because everybody knows John Favreau's got heavy hands. The heaviest of hands. David Cronenberg's director trademark in A History of Violence. Carnage. <laughs> there you go. That's um. This is actually a sequel to Venom. If you were curious, <laughs> where Woody about... at the end of this thing, there's going to be Cronenberg. <laughs> if you're curious about uh, a history of violence, just know this is real trivia about this movie. There's Carnage. Well, it's a director that? trademark. Now we know. So I'm happy we have that in there. That Great. Has been an actual IMDb <laughs> trivia fact. Somebody thought that was worth submitting and saying. You're missing a piece of trivia, IMDb. <laughs> Director trademark. They haven't talked about the carnage. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh, this director's got a trademark. <laughs> he films the movie. Oh, people. Aren't they the best? <laughs> oh, they're all there. They're certainly there. All right, let's give a super stuff score to this Vertigo Comics movie, A History of Violence. Got to remind us of the comic. Here we go. Story motivation. I think it's one. Oh. Yeah, I really like... How this movie does have a couple little twists built in. Oh, definitely. And I like how you're questioning the whole Questioning movie. the whole time. You're like, is this guy the guy? Is he Joey? Or is this going to turn? The whole time you're like, you're trying to guess what's going to happen the entire time. But even when you you're know like, oh, the they're going to kidnap his, his yeah, wife and daughter. Exactly. That doesn't happen. No, you're, but you know what the answer is. You, it's you violence. Know, the answer is violence. It's not even a guessing game. You're along for the ride. It's not like an M. Night Shyamalan movie where you're trying to guess the twist. Is You have to be on board for this movie. And exactly. It. It's awesome. It's so well done. And the amazing thing to me is that it's like a history of violence is almost the punchline. It's sure. like going into a joke knowing the punchline and then going, okay, how do we get there? The aristocrats. How did we get there? How did we get there? What mom and dad and child and son and dog. <laughs> there was no dog <laughs> in this movie. Groundhog outside. All got together in an orgy. And there was no cat in this movie. And stabbed each other and then fucked the wound holes for right, whatever right. Bob Saget, Gilbert Gottfried. The aristocrats. <laughs> the aristocrats! <laughs> you yeah. thought that was violent. <laughs> yeah, one for story motivation. I totally agree. Hero. Is there one? That's tough. It's almost like, all right, this is going to sound... Uh, let me let me do my best impression of Ryan from the Experience Crime Podcast. <laughs> He's got a lot of shout outs. Good for you, Ryan. I'm going to get a little pretentious here. I think the hero might be Tom Stahl, but the villain is Joey Cusack. Interesting. Yeah. Either way, I don't think it's very high. No, I don't think so either. <laughs> because he doesn't really do a whole lot to save the world. It's a lot to save himself, and we don't even know who himself is at this point. Right. So, I keep forgetting we're going by superhero I'm gonna rules go, here. Uh, I'm going to go zero here. Yeah, we're probably a zero as far as hero goes. Although- he saves his family, and that's really what his whole motivation is. I'll go point two five. All right, we, we yay got, family. We got something out of it. Villains. It's probably the same. Even though the villains, it's Ed Harris. He gets he gets knocked off. Right. It's right. Richie. He's in it for eight minutes. Oscar nominated. <laughs> Oscar nominated. Uh, well, you also get Leland and Billy. You do, but they're nothing. Also, they are killed so fast. Um, might might be a zero. In fact, I you know what? The villain might be like the past, the history, the the history of violence is the all right. Point two five for. Reasons point two five because because <laughs> I like because this movie, we like damn it, it. Uh, parents. Now I recently made an argument about including children in this, and I think we might be able to extend this just to immediate family, zero? some sort of trauma. Are we going zero either way? He he does kill his brother on screen, but that's nothing. That's not his child or his parent. 
Well, that's why I extended it to immediate family. That is just lateral. Now. No, I'm going to go zero. No, because you're right. The trauma is, has to be what sets up the right. heroness. And this is just him out for, I don't know what. Exactly. Zero. Zero. Female characters. She's real strong, but real horny. She is real strong and real horny. The second sex scene, actually, I know, I would say both sex scenes are she has of the power. her accord. She has though. the full exactly. power in every scene she's in. I like Maria and Bella she is, a lot in this she's movie. She's the breadwinner in this family, which is awesome. Boom, one, done. I'm okay. Mm. I think she's great in this movie. Are there other females in this movie? There's the shitty reporter. There's the shitty reporter. There's the there's daughter who the doesn't know anybody. There's the clueless daughter. But that's and okay. then there's the little girl who gets killed in the first five minutes. So one. All right. Hesitant one. <laughs> I'm going to agree with you one because that is how good Maria Bello is. And yeah, we'll just leave it at that. We'll leave it at that. Setting. Here's what I'm going to say for setting. Canada? It's filmed in Canada. I think it feels like small town Indiana and it definitely feels like Philly. You go into any bar in Toronto and put up a bunch of yingling signs and I believe it. I agree. Set dressers everywhere, listen up. If the, if your movie is taking place in Philly, <laughs> literally just put up some yingling signs, so, and it's believable. Pottsville. The best. <laughs> Bam. One. I'll go one. I, I, I can't disagree with you. And the fact is, is that they filmed this movie in Millbrook, Ontario, and which, then had the wherewithal you, to name it Millbrook, Indiana. You and you see, a, you see a building that says Millbrook. It's like, fuck you. They, you got They us. went the whole well nine. Done. They did it. They committed. Kind of. We'll go one. One. I love it. Style and tone. Uh, it's probably a one. It's. Uh, I almost said the word huh. starting at one. I think it ends at one. Okay. Because I, oh boy. It's those subtle camera tricks. It's those. They're really good. It, they're phenomenal. I think the tone is off though, but I think it's intentionally off. Exactly. I agree with that. I think there's a lot of fakeness in the first half of the movie yeah. that you don't know is intentional until the second half of the movie. It's a very well right. done trick. You know what? I'm going to go one five. I really like this movie. And I, you know I, what? It might be turning this into a bit of a parody, but I hope not. But we, we're here trying we are. not to do that. But no, I think we're fine. Music. It's confusing. It's this Howard is, fucking Shore. It is Howard fucking Shore. It's confusing, but it's meant to be confusing. It might be the only time we get to say his name on the podcast. Right. It's appropriate. It's super appropriate. I've told you before when I'm watching a movie, I'm in it. I rarely hear the music. When I do, it's usually because it's taking me out of it. This instance, I heard the music, I recognized the music, and I was going, oh, God, this music is doing a really good job of playing my emotions right now. I'm going to go one for I music. I think that's appropriate. This movie's doing really well. I'm going to go one. <laughs> Let's talk about one-liners. Uh, zero. Don't forget your shoes. Yeah, zero. I know what I got there. Brohim. No, it's a zero. Don't, I almost gave it point two five. for Brohim. <laughs> Brohim is nothing. Come on. I, I really liked it, but it's a zero. You're right. Uh, impact on the genre. Probably zero. Probably. I mean, it's, yeah, I can't it, think it of really didn't anything do much. it's influenced. No, nothing. And the fact is, is that Cronenberg's had a tough time since this movie of making movies because no one wants to finance them. Yeah. That's kind of the way the world works, unfortunately, in That's kind of shitty. In Canada, Hollywood. In Canada, Hollywood. That's going to give a history of violence a surprisingly low super stuff score of five. Is it low or appropriate? I don't know. I feel, I personally, I think it's low. When Ebert picked this movie out last week, yeah, I would not have guessed a five. Um, I don't know, because as soon as I read the words "A History of Violence," I went, "Oh, the first thing I thought was a real movie." <laughs> That's very fair. So, actually. and I don't know what that says about what we're doing here, but <laughs> graphic novels, man, we need them every now and then. They're great. Yeah, well, we have a few more that are on that Ebert list, so see what happens there. That's fair. But yeah, a five. I don't know. It feels low. 
I'm okay with it though. But then again, we're evaluating it as a superhero movie. This is the super stuff score. You're right. This is that not makes a superhero total movie. sense actually. Fair enough. Let me ask you a question. Yeah. Because now we don't have to consult Roger Ebert. Oh yeah. Birthday month's over until next year. Good. Thank God. That means. <laughs> That means we chose this movie. Right. We did choose this movie. <laughs> what are we talking about next week? Next week, we are talking about Swamp Thing. John Carpenter's Swamp John Thing. John Carpenter's 1982 film, DC's Swamp Thing. You ever seen it? No, I've never seen it. Makes two of us. We should probably that's, have a guest. Uh, hey, that's a good idea. Our buddy Sean from Ready Thursday likes Swamp Thing. I feel like this is he often says that he loves this movie. So, like... He said it a bunch of times. Let's see if we can't get him on for that. Yeah, he'll be on next week. <laughs> Usually those are some of the most fun episodes we do. So they go off the rails real fast. Let's <laughs> see what Real happens. easily. And yeah, it <laughs> should be interesting. Next week, Swamp Thing. Can't next wait. week, Swamp Thing. Dave, we got an email this week. Oh? We got an, an email. An electronic mail? A, a fan electronic message. Fantastic. And this one uh, is coming to us from Random Fan Vincent. That's a great nickname, if that's what it's going to be. <laughs> uh, and this one's going to be a little self-indulgent, I guess, because uh, he's real nice. Indulge. He's real Please. nice. Please. Dear Kate Podcasters. Hey, that's us. Longtime avid listener. Found out about you guys from number one sidekick superfan Steven. Put a little something extra in his paycheck this week. I will. I will pay him exactly 50% more than what we usually do. Nothing. That's right. I used to jump around episodes listening to ones that sparked my interest. I would debate hard on diving into some, such as The Incredible Hulk. That's a smart move, actually. I agree. <laughs> so for the past few months, I've been starting from the beginning. Nice. Bold move and thank you. <laughs> Trying to find out how the Super Stuff score came into play. That kind of came out of an article, right? Remember, we had an article that just listed things that would make a good superhero movie. I think and we you're built right. the Super we Score like, out of it. Yeah, that all sounds good. That sounds great. And then it kind of evolved it. over time. Right. Why? The table continuously gets hit. That's the Favreau salute. Because John Favreau made John Iron Favreau Man. Has and boy, hands. He, he doesn't think the audience has a brain at all. <laughs> <laughs> Let me spoon feed this to you with my two very heavy hands. And trying to comprehend how you both like Daredevil. That one's fair. We don't That's know. That's on us. We don't know. Never thought I'd enjoy listening to two grown men talk about people in costumes fighting other people in costumes. So entertaining. I find that was my... a, that's a throwback. That is a big throwback. I like that a lot. I find myself laughing because I'm understanding the inside jokes. It's becoming a weird one-sided relationship. Welcome to marriage. Once that one-sided relationship started getting too creepy, not Ben Affleck Daredevil creepy, but still creepy enough. No such thing as getting creepier than that. Agreed. I thought it was time to write in. We were glad you did. Yeah. I know how much you love being corrected. Whoa. <laughs> okay. So here's some extra info. I like it. What do we got? In The Joker, when he kills his mother, they had a medical expert on site. They shot the scene once, and the medical expert asked Todd Phillips, Hey, what's the rating on this movie? <laughs> he said it's going to be a hard R. So he said, oh, you're killing her too fast. You have to drag it out longer. And she's actually going to die from a heart attack, not asphyxiation. Can you imagine that? It's one of those things where, like you got on set. It's like, what type of killing are you going for? Are you going for a PG, PG-13 or R killing? Just want to know. Just so yeah, I know what like, level yeah, yeah. to go to in this. Yeah. She, she, she should be clutching her chest and, and bulging cartoon eyes or. Right. Got to figure it out. So, or do we make it Oh, this real? is an R killing. Got it. Okay. Apparently, uh, this is fun, uh, because Martin Scorsese dropped out of this movie, same medical expert that was using the Irishman. Really? So there you go. So medically, I know how to now rated R kill a mom and also <laughs> de-age people in a real creepy way. Perfect. Bingo. <laughs> <laughs> we also have some references to other movies, like uh, The Incredibles, Mr. Incredible, and Frozone. 
Samuel L. Jackson is mimicking his train scene from Die Hard with a Vengeance. Kick-Ass has two Quicksilvers. Spider-Man 2 throws his suit in the trash like in Spider-Man No More. Spider-Man 50, yeah. And in Civil War, Ant-Man and Hawkeye on the arrow is like Avengers 223. Boom. I feel like we mentioned a couple. Maybe. I drink during these. It's (laughs) tough to remember anything. Fair enough. (laughs) I notice myself watching and dissecting movies now. Good. We did it. Yay. We got one. (laughs) You sucker. (laughs) You made me realize that you can tear apart a movie and still love it at the end of the day. We do it every week. You have to. You like what you like. But the whole thing is that when you watch a movie, it could be the biggest pile of shit, but it could still be an enjoyable pile of shit. I'll use the room as an an example. Oh, yeah. I showed it to Brian for the first time, (sighs) probably a year ago or something like that, two years ago, whatever it was. It was around two years ago, And it's a garbage movie. Oh, it's awful, but it's- It's so enjoyable to watch. It's so much fun. You don't have to troll. You really, really don't. No, I I agree. Trolling is the easy way out when you don't have an opinion. Exactly. I think we're going to bring his name up again, but Ryan from Experience Grind says it best. God damn it. He's collecting royalties on this episode, yeah, I think, Honestly, we don't pay Steven, but we might need to pay Ryan at this point. <laughs> <laughs> like what you like, hate what you hate, but have a reason. Articulate the reason why you like things and why you don't. That's all that's necessary. Bring it up with Ryan all the time, because he always has a reason why he likes and doesn't like things. Yes, so That's why we have reasons. very heated conversations about things. It's the best. You both are really entertaining together and know what you're talking about, or at least pretend to know what you're talking about. Nailed it. <laughs> Keep fooling him. Danny fucking Elfman would be proud of your theme song. Maybe. I just teared up. That was... Just because Danny nope. Elfman... Nobody's I ever just, given it me... It doesn't a... even matter what it's it is. It's just Danny Elfman makes me tear up me. always. Nicest thing anybody's ever said. <laughs> even though its volume is louder than the rest of the podcast. <laughs> Not wrong. I made it like week one and never changed it. because Crushed it. Because I don't give a fuck when Nailed it comes to it. that. <laughs> Brian, I appreciate your cover art for each episode. Aw, shucks. You guys... Really have a passion and love for these movies, even when you hate them. If you ever do random guests that may or may not mess up your ratings, let me know or send up a spotlight. I'd love to check out The Fortress of Potitude and give my two cents on a movie. Random fan, Vincent. Vincent, when we send up a spotlight, it's going to be kick-ass style. It's going to be the shape of a cock. <laughs> and that's when you know it's your time. <laughs> P.S. Still waiting for Catwoman. Yeah, us too. <laughs> yeah. He signs off, this will be fun, with a wed bed behead. What? Yeah. You ready, Dave? I never get to do these. This is so exciting. Here are your three options. Roger Ebert. Yeah. This. Well, uh, go on. I'll, yeah. Amazine guy. (laughs) (laughs) And all of Rotten Tomatoes. All right. So I'm going to fuck Roger Ebert. And here's my reasoning why. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I've never gotten blown by someone without a jaw. It's just oh. an experience you can't have. You can't pay for that. No, that's... You can't call up someone and say, cost extra. send me someone without a jaw. You can't do that. Oh, boy. I didn't know you were going to go blue. And then again, it's a wet bed of the head. <laughs> All of Rotten Tomatoes needs to die. Yeah. It's not as bad as Amazon as bad One Stars, as, but... Yeah, it's not. But Amazon Guy's got a hell of a collection. I'm going to marry him. That's it's smart. not in alphabetical order. We can't organize right. We can't organize. But it is in alphabetical order. It's a hell he of a collection. by his own. Maybe he's come up enough. We know what he has. It's a good collection. He has decent taste in movies. Or you could. he could just get Disney Plus and it's all set in stone then. You don't have to worry about any of this. Yeah. All right. He's dead. I'm actually going to marry Ron Tomatoes. <laughs> all right. Done. There we it is. We did it. I think that's the right answer. I'll drink anyway. Bet your liver. <laughs> anyway, thank you, Vincent, for sending that message. Uh, we really appreciate it and your kind words. If you have any emails, you can send them to keeppodcasters at gmail.com. We'd appreciate it if you rate, review, subscribe to iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. 
You can like and follow us on our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The links for those are on our website, katepodcasters.com. It's awesome. Brian made it. It's great. It's the best thing ever. And you can be like our new patrons, Zach and Steven. Not number one superfan Steven. He's been a patron for a while, but another Steven. Steven Baker. Steven Baker. We've got multiple Stevens on the Patreon. If your name is Steven, you're missing out. I love Steven Baker so much. (laughs) (laughs) And that's at patreon.com slash katepodcasters. Over there, we're doing... Not so super movies. And you just heard in this episode a couple of the ones we're going to be doing soon. I am going to spring Mrs. Doubtfire on Dave at some point. I don't know if it'll be in the next couple months, but it'll happen soon. And we also do Batman the Animated Series on our show Batman Animation. And we cover the comic books themselves in the poll list. It's true. They're all very good. They're all very fun. They're all very different. Check them out. And they're only a buck. And they're only a buck. (laughs) Minimum of a buck. Right. We got a couple Facebook questions. Our buddy Micah wants to know what's her favorite Maria Bello movie. A history of violence. It's a history of violence because <laughs> I, I I know she's in the cooler and the cooler is very good. Yeah. And then I think she's in World Trade and nope, can't say that. I'm a, aware she's in Coyote Ugly, but the only thing I know about that movie is the Leanne Rhymes song. Fair. And um, I think she's in Grown Ups and Grown Ups too. Actually. Fair enough. We addressed Micah's question. We've done it. We've done it. Uh, I'm ranking all of the <laughs> Maria Bello movies that I've no, seen. Don't joke about that because Matt Cowan wrote a it. history of violence. And Matt Cowan asked us. What are top five scenes showing acts of violence in movie history? I have no clue. I'll take it. I'll go with uh, Singing in the Rain with uh, Clockwork Orange. Oh, Very good. Okay. I'm going to go with the Chariot Race in Ben-Hur. It Ooh. is violent as fuck. Wow. Real stuntmen there. They got their asses handed yeah. them. I'm kicking it old school with that one. Look at that. It's great. I'm going to go with, weirdly, The Departed. The scene with, I, I get this weird feeling of when things like, I cringe sometimes. The scene where Leo DiCaprio's got the cast on his hand, but then he gets it bashed off his arm against Ooh, the diner yeah, bar. Yeah. That does it for me. Like, off the top I get of the that. dome. I get that. I'm going to go with the Matrix lobby scene. Oh, that's an excellent one. A fucking great scene. It's, it's so good. So good. If I got to pick a fifth, I'm not. I, I, I've <laughs> I exhausted myself. Four. Yeah. I'm exhausted. I don't even know where I would start, <laughs> honestly. Thanks for the question, Matt. Sorry, I couldn't go the whole way. Don't be surprised. <laughs> you, tried. you tried. That was better than I did. So We also got a Facebook message from Joseph Phillips. He says, just an FYI, I just heard about you guys recently, and I'm already out of episodes to listen to. Love what y'all are doing. The rating system is my favorite. Joseph, thank you. Thank you. Really thank appreciate you. it. We got more stuff on Patreon if you need some more things to listen to. <laughs> also, uh, we're going to keep doing this. Keep doing what we do. Yeah, absolutely. Monday, tell your friends. Coming out, tell your friends. Tell all your friends. Kyle from Experience Grind says, history of violence is top tier. I agree. We should probably mention him because, you know, Ryan's collecting we, all them royalties. We did say Ryan's name like a hundred times. Kyle's just a nobody I guess we right can, now we here. Can throw out Sorry, Kyle, Kyle since he gave us a Facebook message. I'm the easiest guy to talk to in the world. I'm Kyle. <laughs> oh. You talk about the opinionated one of us, but I'm the easy one to talk to. Even, <laughs> even if I disagree with you wholeheartedly, you'll have a great time talking to me about right, it. Right. I'm just the nicest guy in the world. Kyle, Experience Grind. Go listen to them. They're the best. We love them so much. That should not have been sarcastic. We do love them no, so much. No. And you were just on their show doing basketball. That happened. So, it was a lot of fun. It was really long. You know, bring we in sometimes talk about basketball. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> go listen to our buds. Go listen to Tad Pog. Go listen to Experience Grind Podcast. Go listen to Nerdy Thursday. Next week, Swamp Thing. We'll see you then. Same pod time. Same pod, Eagles suck.
So, Dave, that is A History of Violence. What do you think happens after the credits? What I think happens after the credits is you have the scene. It's like an alternate take of Ed fucking Harris confronting Viggo Mortensen, saying, like, you're Joey. You're Joey. And he's Joey. Like, I'm not Joey. Joe Bags. I'm not Joey. He's like, I know you. You're you're fucking faking it because you're not that good of an actor, Viggo Mortensen. <laughs> and Viggo Mortensen's like, you're right. And then he looks down to the camera. He goes, Brian, Lord of the Rings is a very fucking good movie. Mm. I want you to just understand the Lord of the Rings is a good movie. Mm. This is... This was a this was a farce. This post credits was a farce. I don't. You're wrong about all your feelings I on Lord of the it. Rings. Uh, You're wrong, Brian. Tell You're that. You're wrong. Tell that to my heart. Your heart is dead and ruined, and is wrong also. I learned it from you. <laughs> Wait till Return of the King, dude. It's oh, so good. I forgot. I still have to watch a third one. Of the yeah, and it's the longest movies. one of the three. I can't wait for you to watch it. Oh. Brian, what do you think happens post credits? You wrong, wrong person. <laughs> I think we go right back to that dinner table and Edie and Tom Joe are still looking at each other and things start happening to Edie. Old Maria Bello starts feeling those feelings. She stands up. She grabs the meatloaf. She grabs Tom, (laughs) Joe, whatever his name is, by the collar and drags him to the next room. Meanwhile, Jack and and Sarah are still sitting at the table and Jack's like, Ma, the the meatloaf. And Sarah's like, what are they doing in there? I never know what they're doing in there. (laughs) 